0: Thanks, John. How many of you guys were here last week? Yes. What was that about? If you weren't here last week, to our surprise, we, just, we, we knew we had some baptisms lined up, but we felt like we should open it up to anybody who felt like they needed to respond. We had 19 people baptized last week. And, and here's the deal. <clears throat> I am becoming less and less um, under the illusion that when God does something, it has something to do with me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I'm, I'm finding that the, the fun thing, the, the best thing we can do is simply just do what he tells us and be faithful. And he does what he wants. Um, but I have this sense, guys, he, he's coming after us. He, went, he wants to renew his bride, and it's a critical moment in history. That we let our hearts be deeply sensitized to the Holy Spirit. That as Tim Cameron, one of our elders who was speaking just now, is talking about these things. When Jesus, like when we get to find out things we aren't doing well, it's the most joyful moment possible. It's not because God's like, I show you. The only reason twins together are shame and self-righteousness. They go together. The only reason we feel shame before Jesus is because we think we can make ourselves better. So I'm grateful when Jesus points something out when I get over the initial embarrassment. Because he wants to heal me. He wants to heal me because... Like when I'm judging people secretly, I have to carry around those judgments. And they're, I have to live by the judgments too. And that's heavy, man. That's not a light and beautiful life. I want to live like a child. Trusting my father. And feeling just, I, oh I don't know what's going on, but I can feel the smile of my dad. That even if I got it all wrong today, he'll forgive me of all of it and set me right. I could just do a do-over. I don't have to waste a bunch of time justifying myself, whatever. I don't even know if I got it right or wrong. It doesn't matter. He loves me. Will you forgive me? Yes, we're going. That makes sense? It just doesn't even... Wa- we waste our time. I've wasted so much time trying to prove to God that I'm doing okay so He'll like me. It's just a waste of time. He liked me before I got anything right. And He's the only one who can forgive me and frankly the only opinion that matters. Somebody else doesn't like it, they and Jesus can work it out as long as I'm humbling myself to others. But if they don't like it, well, if Father's okay, I'm okay. Okay. So let's just continue to ask Holy Spirit to, to let us have hearts more and more open to Him. He just does these fun things that are surprising you that we don't expect. And life with Him is a total joy. It's not easy. But ease and joy don't have to go, that ease and joy don't have to go together. In fact, ease gets boring after a while. We get a little flabby sometimes with that. But joy, joy, joy. Jesus endured the cross, despising short term shame. Why? Because the joy set before him was was unity with his Father. Okay. And talking about how we know it's true. And uh, prior to last week, this was the last time we talked about it, and the reason we've been doing it is because truth can be hard to find. A lot of times it seems like living life, and especially in our culture with so many beeping screens and different ways of information coming to us, it's like trying to hear somebody whisper while the world is shouting, right? Sometimes to know what's actually true is really difficult. We talked about some stats where even just the nature of technology and, and human brokenness using technology is there's lies out there all the time. It's hard to know what's actually true. And in and, and so it's really important we find out we know what's true because truth determines how we live. What we think is true, we make decisions. Every practical decision we make is because we assume something is true. We assume that chair is gonna hold us up, so I'll sit on it. Right? I mean, everything we do has something to do with about knowing what is true. So it's so critical on the big issues about what life is about, about how we make decisions that affect us every day. You've heard that phrase that your long-term success is simply the accumulation of your daily habits. The same thing you do over and over and over again, all of a sudden a decade goes by and there you are. Those truths, what we think is true and we base our habits on turns us into who we'll become. And so we've been saying this is that Jesus is the truth. The truth isn't simply an idea. The truth is a person. So that the question is not just how I know truth, but how do I know Jesus? How do I know this person, Jesus? And again, this is as strong, this is as important as it gets. You know, Jesus, God could have just taken us home right now. And he started New Heavens and New Earth right now. But for some reason, he's left us on earth in this uh, contested space where there's still sin and darkness and Satan uh, on this planet for some reason. And I think one of the things is that we can know the truth and live it out in front of a confused, darkened world to say, Come on in. Dad wants you to come into the family. But if we, among ourselves, are confused, where are people going to go? I'm not just talking about doctrine. I'm talking about what does it look like to live a life devoted to Jesus, imitating Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. If we're confused about what that looks like, it gets really dark in the world. But we have this beautiful, wonderful opportunity that we can know what's true. We can. And so we've been talking about at least four different ways that we see that it can happen. Reason, experience, Scripture, and tradition that make this just lovely acronym. Rest. Rest. Could it be that knowing truth is at a place of rest? And of these four things, they're not all equal that we've been talking about each one. We talk about Scripture being the most important. If you want to know why, you can go a couple couple weeks ago and see tradition, which means others. What, what is tradition again? Tradition is others, what? Other people, and what else? There's two other phrases with it. I'd be shocked if you remember. I really hope you remember. I heard it. Rochelle, did you say it? Telling us what they know of Jesus, in which just our friends? Looking, go. Chad, come on. Yeah, looking at 2,000 years of people who've known Jesus. 2,000 years of people who've known Jesus and worked through stuff. It's really helpful for us. That's what we mean by tradition. And then we've got our experience and reason. And today we're going to talk about experience. We're going to talk about what is it to experience Jesus? How? What is his experience? And how do we experience Jesus? Why is it important? And what are its limits? Okay? And so... These sermons have been highly informational. I know there's a lot of info in it. It just is what it is. You can find the slides uh, online. They'll be posted below each of the videos. All the previous ones are up if you want to get data from that to be able to. You say, man, I didn't remember that or I want to know what he said. There you go. So what is experience? Experience is the way we engage the world. Think about this. You can't actually read Scripture without experiencing reading it. Right? Right? I mean, we experience everything. It's kind of the way that data comes into us. And what's really important, it's an indispensable, in other words, irreplaceable way we know people. I'm going to, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more as I go, but it's a thing extremely important to remember, is that to know a person, to really know a person, you have to actually experience them. Now, a little bit of just thinking about how does experience happen. These two phrases I'm using, there's presence and there's practice. Presence and practice of how we experience the world around us. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Anybody can guess what that is. I heard apple. What else? Tomato. A picture of a tomato. Thank you, Shane. It's even more... John Free says a baby. (laughs) What's interesting is his wife is pregnant, so what do you think has been going on? Uh, Okay. Yeah, what is that? Well, one of the ways we'd find out more is like, say we're in a grocery store and we see that red blob, we might use our senses to go, it kind of looks like an apple, it kind of looks like a tomato, maybe I'm going to touch it, feel it, see. And, And so we have to experience the tomato to really know what it is right and now here's another thing that's kind of interesting is we've got five senses but i've we've got this five senses plus thing i don't know what to call the plus if you call it intuitive knowledge or spiritual or something like that but it my my assertion is this is that every one of us now if you're if you're a follower of jesus you've heard it, yeah of course i know there's Reality beyond my five senses. But my, my contention is that everybody, even atheists, have experiences that they're like, something happened beyond me. Like, have you ever heard somebody say, yeah, I don't believe in God, but I should have I died in that car wreck. Right. Something else was going on. Maybe I call it the universe. Right? You know, there was something more. It, 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 some people, it's like things that go bump in the night. You know, what is that? That there's this sense beyond just our five senses. And this is especially true (laughs) with people. Do you like that animation? Hey, did anybody see my little worship experience at the beginning of the service, by the way? A few of you guys did. I I was kneeling before the Lord. (laughs) Hands up, eyes closed, put my hand down at the exact time Briggs went by, and I totally clocked him. He went, shoo. <laughs> he, he, he got clotheslined, this poor kid, <laughs> in the worship service. So, Briggs, wherever you are, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that to happen. The you know, worship should be so dangerous. <laughs> and I looked around, there was just rows of people laughing at me. they was like, well, there you go. Don't run past the, run past the pastor, man. You never know what might happen. <laughs> it's kind of an aggressive church. But ha- have you ever had that extra sense when you're around a human? Like they walk into the room and they're like this. You're like, How are you? And they're like, I'm fine. And you're like, They're not fine. <laughs> you-, you know what I'm talking about? And yeah, you could say, well, it's the five senses. I'm just getting, like, you know, the intangible, uh, you know, uh, what do they call that? Nonverbal signals. But have you, you know, you can feel stuff. You ever notice this? That there's there's a little more sense, and particularly with people, there's something else going on that we can pick up, knowledge that we can gain about them through experience. So that's what I mean by presence. You kind of got to be around something to get the the five senses working to sense that extra deal and the other one I call is practice the way you could really know if that's a tomato is you could try and eat it you know and you could be cutting it and realize this is a plastic tomato you know what I mean (laughs) right And, and then then with people practices we use phrases like this as actions speak louder than words Right? We'd say, yeah, I know that person. They're good for that. And they never show up. What, what, which, which of those things is giving you knowledge about that person? You know what I'm saying? Uh, I love how the book of James says, it's, I'll, show you by, I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Do I actually believe you'll know if I act that way? Okay, so that's what I mean in practice. That practice with people. There's something about engagement, something about seeing that person act and or engaging with the action with them, helps you to know them. Okay, so this is coming back to this. Without experience, I can't really know a person. This is a really weird time in history to be living. To ask, how do you know a person? Can you know a person truly from their Facebook feed? Why not? I hear a lot of no's. And there might be some quiet, yes, I think so. <laughs> that you're just embarrassed to say it loudly. I don't know. Okay, why couldn't you just th- through, know somebody through a Facebook feed? Just a little bit of your life, of your life. okay? It's Edited, not a lot of context. It's a facade. A facade. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I think it's really fascinating. Okay, now here's another one. Can you really know somebody through a Zoom call? Yeah, I'm not asking what's the right answer. What's he want to say? Because I don't want to be called on. One of the things that helped me clarify this a little bit is, is I actually taught. Strangely enough, I taught this. I've been teaching this at ORU in a class as a guest lecturer for years now. And I actually taught it this week. It was just scheduled to do it. And one of the uh, the TA for the class said something really good. He said, I don't think you can know somebody simply through media. He said, because I have a long-distance relationship with someone I'm loving in love with. And I promise you it's different when we're experiencing one another than when we're on the phone or on Zoom. And I got to thinking, yeah, would you ever just marry someone through Zoom? I mean, think about that for a second, right? I mean, we're kind of in a weird space in history, aren't we? Yeah, I think there's something irreplaceable about experiencing a person in presence and practice. Someone said, it's a facade, the Facebook, it's a managed facade. That's one of the great things about, you know, um, (laughs) it's why you know your family the best, right? You can't keep up the facade all day. (laughs) Right? Right? You just eventually you are going to start leaking out, and <laughs> so something intuitive about us that we know that presence, practice, experience is indispensable. You can't not have experience and still fully know a person. Okay, I'll jump I'll jump on a next idea from here. So the question then say, how do we experience this person? Jesus, if Jesus is the truth and Jesus is a person, how do we experience Jesus? Well, we've got presence and practice. Let's look at first the apostles, the ones who are actually with Jesus. I'm going to show you the very scripture we started this whole series with, which is first John, the first three verses. And he talks about precisely uh, how they get across their message. So that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We can see all throughout this, all of this experiential language. That Jesus just wasn't an idea. He wasn't a belief system. He wasn't just a philosopher who dumped his ideas on us. We heard. We saw with our own eyes. We've looked at. Our hands have touched. How about Thomas? How about Thomas? How humble is Jesus? That he says, "If I, I don't, I don't believe Jesus is resurrected until I myself have touched the scars on him." And he shows and says, "Here you go, Thomas. Touch." How humble is Jesus to let Thomas experience him that way. And, and here's another thing that's in practice is fascinating. Jesus was constantly revealing himself with his disciples through how he behaved. There's one time he tells his disciples, go ahead and get in the boat. Um, I'll catch up with you. in a No, and that, that was a different story. He says, let's get in the boat together. I'm taking a nap. And they have a whole storm. And there, then Jesus is asleep. The guys are freaking out. Jesus, wake up. What are you going to do? He says to the storm, be quiet. storm goes away. And the disciples were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So they've been walking around with Jesus, talking to Jesus this whole time. And there was just things about Jesus they did not know until they'd seen him in practice. Or how about this? Jesus speaks to the 12 and then to seventy disciples sends them out gives them authority to proclaim the gospel cast out demons and and see people healed and they come back from it and they return with joy and said lord even the demons submit to us in your name they're realizing something about the name of jesus that they had no idea that using that name would actually make other beings go away Just stunning stuff. They're learning through practice. They're doing what Jesus asked them to do and gave them authority to do what Jesus is like. Is that making sense? Okay, so how's that work for us? How do we experience a person who isn't here? Really, really important. We think about this for a second. Jesus has a human body right now. He's not here right now. So how do we experience? How do we have presence and practice with Jesus? Well, Jesus says to his disciples as he's about to go into heaven, he says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And we come to realize that Jesus didn't mean this in a metaphorical way. Yesterday I was watching... Oh, it's a fascinating show. Did you know they're rebuilding the, the Brady Bunch house? I love these. Uh, you've already watched somebody said I already watched it. It's already been done? It's old. Yeah. It's an old broadcast? I should have talked to my wife about this. We okay, so it was a while ago? How many of you guys know they rebuilt the Brady house? <laughs> okay. I don't know. I just walked in the room. She's watching. I was like, this is kind of cool. But there's this moment where they're talking about, with, you know, what would some of the other actors say, I can feel them here right now. Like, it's okay. Yeah, it's kind of odd. This is not what Jesus was actually talking about. That was a long way for a sentence. and It wasn't even worth it. <laughs> it wasn't even worth it what I got out of it. (laughs) Jesus said to the disciples, I'm going to ask the Father. This is before Jesus left. He said, I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. He's saying that the Spirit of God will actually physically be with you and tell you who Jesus is. Then Paul says that anybody who's put their faith in Jesus are all baptized by one spirit to form one body. We're all given the one spirit to drink. That very same spirit. The spirit that when Paul, when he's in Acts, he's talking about, he's going through these regions of Phrygia and Galatia. If it hadn't been kept from the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the board of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Here's something I want you to know: and This is how our brothers and sisters in the first few centuries helped us understand something we call Trinity: that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus; that when I experienced the Holy Spirit through the Trinity of Father, Son, Spirit, I'm actually experiencing Jesus himself. It, it, and I was about to say, does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> if you're like, yeah, I got the Trinity, man, I got that nailed, you, you don't know it. You're, you're not thinking correctly. Because this is one of the reasons I believe in the Christian God is because I believe if God is God, at some point I shouldn't be able to understand him. God, by definition, is over my head. But we're seeing that when the Holy Spirit is present, Jesus is present. Paul says the Spirit of Him, God who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you. He actually, in your body, here's, it doesn't, it's hard to understand, but it's actually true, that in your body is the Spirit of Jesus. The very spirit that, baptized, that came on Jesus at his baptism and that he's in union with in the Trinity. Jesus himself isn't far from any of us. He is actually in us if we have faith in him. So we can actually experience the person Jesus. How's that work? Over my head. How many of you guys have experienced Jesus? You're confident you have, right? I just wish I I just wish the world could see us raising our hands right now. It's, no, I have experienced Jesus. This is why we're sent once, guys. We've experienced the person Jesus, the person, the one person who represented what it meant means to be human and what it means for God to be God. We've experienced Him. And Jesus is clear, the Bible is clear, that we experience Jesus through our practice. Now, there's going to be a couple zingy scriptures, but just be patient with them, okay? Because they're beautiful. John says, we know that we have come to know Jesus if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. I didn't make any of that up. That's just what was there. That that if at some level you can say that you've had some presence experience, but if you don't do what Jesus commands, we don't actually know Him. Now, what's packed behind this? There's nothing to do with earning anything and all that. You follow? We don't obey Jesus' commands to earn forgiveness or earn identity. That is not the gospel. But in response to our forgiveness, in response to the identity we have, to actually know Jesus, we have to do what He says. Otherwise, we're not, we, we don't really know who we've... Have you guys ever tried to talk someone into do something and just like, if you just do it, you'll know what I mean. You ever, you ever been in that situation? If you just try it, this is going to be amazing. I don't want to. Just try it, man. Because you can talk about it all day, but you'll never have that experience. It's kind of like, um, like having kids for sure, right? <laughs> I remember the first time uh, I like, did an overnight babysitting thing with friends of mine. And in the middle of the night, one of their kids threw up all over me. And I was like, parenting's not at all what I would hope it to be. But there's the weirdest thing. When my kids threw up on me, it wasn't wasn't the same at all. I'm serious. And you can't know that until you have your own kids to know like, I don't know why, I don't love this. But I'll do it. Because I'm in love with you. You're mine. Even more intense, Jesus says to this, the end of the Sermon on the Mount says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. That's, that's like, like if you've got OCD like me, this, this is a passage that will just make you insane. If you don't understand the Gospel, this isn't about the Gospel. The gospel is through faith in Jesus, Him forgiving us for our sins. But there's a necessary walking out to know Jesus. To do the will of the Father is the way we, actually, we don't actually get to know Him till we start to live out the things He says this is what it means to be human. There's been a divorce in a Western culture for a long time, and there's tons of historical roots to it, that we divorce our belief from our actions. So we, we get, like, was this legalism to say you have to act on what you believe? In Hebrew culture, they say, no, it's just being human. Humans do what they believe. Now, do we have, do we have tension at times? Yes. Yes, there's tension. And thank God this is why the Holy Spirit's in us to help us do what we can't do. But we have to experience the presence of Jesus and practice the presence of Jesus to actually know Him. So, why is this so important? Well, I guess that would kind of be self-explanatory. But the first thing is without experience, I can't really know a person this is where i like to say you know if someone only knows you from your instagram or facebook but you've never met and they're like up into you we call them a stalker we say that's not natural that's act not actually knowledge of a person right and jesus said this to the, the the jewish leaders He said, you guys study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I'm right in front of you, man. I'm right in front of you. That's what these things are about. They didn't know Jesus. They were Jesus stalkers. Experience also helps me to understand Jesus' words. Has anyone ever read something in the Bible that did not make sense to you? A, a friend of mine said he, he had a very poor strategy with a new believer. He started in Genesis 1 and thought, I'll just read, read through. And then when they got to the Nephilim in Genesis 6, he said, We're all out. None of us knows what's happening right now. This is too weird. Experiencing Jesus through our senses, our intuitive sense, through doing his words, helps us to look at passages like that. And instead of saying, I don't know what this is, I'm out. I say, I know what Jesus is like and that that doesn't make sense. So there's probably something I don't know yet. You see what I'm saying? There's a very different thing to say. That this is out. I'm out on this God thing. This is nothing like Jesus. Just say, no, I've kind of been experiencing Jesus for a while now. And I've seen his words for a while now. And I just must not have all the information. It's a very different way to look at this. Say, so There's something I probably don't know. I've done a lot of Bible study. I've got degrees in this stuff. And there's still so much I don't know. That when I'm looking at the scriptures that I, there's stuff I've read about that 20 years later I got it. And think about how crazy, crazy arrogant we might be to say, because I don't understand it, I'm out. Really? God's that small? (laughs) Right? Who wants a God that small? It's not even worth serving that a God I've got pinned down and know everything about. But when I've experienced Jesus, I know the flavor of Jesus. I know what it's like to obey Jesus. I'm probably just misunderstanding this now, and I probably need some more information over time. Another thing that's really important of experiencing Jesus is here's the thing that's so stunning and beautiful. God longs for us to experience Him. He longs for us to experience Him. Think about this. It's the whole story of Scripture that God is with us in the cool of the day in the garden. And then God sets up a tabernacle. He's so humble, He'll make His presence show up in a tent. He made everything. He said, I'll show up for you, Israel, in a tent. And then eventually build a temple where his presence shows up in a way. We know God's everywhere present, but he, he focuses his presence. He reveals himself in such a way that nobody can even stand around that building because God's presence is so thick and so powerful. And then Jesus, it says, John 1, 14, that Jesus took on flesh and made made a tabernacle among us he became the tabernacle in our neighborhood the very presence of god and then those who put their faith in jesus become the residents of the holy spirit so that we are the location of god's presence and that jesus is returning to bring his full presence fully to bear on all the earth and restore all things this is the story of god he wants to experience us and us to experience Him. He longs for it. He has gone to great, expensive lengths for it. He wants to be with us far more than we ever want to be with Him. He longs for us. He says this in Psalm to Israel Psalm 81. He, things like this He says over and over again. Guys, if you would just listen to me. This is the practice part. If you'd only follow my ways, how quickly I'd subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. See, when, when God, God, God gives us things to do, it's things like, just don't run out in traffic, man. Just don't swallow that battery. <laughs> well, who are you to tell me what to do? It's like, okay. We're going to have to work some, through some things here. He loves us. That psalm says, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. But why wouldn't you do it, man? I want to. So, God longs for us to experience Him. And one more thing that's really important of why we got to experience, why experience is so important is that Jesus is still speaking. Jesus is still speaking. We've got plenty of biblical precedent for it, experience, where God, by the Holy Spirit, is, is getting to us the words of Jesus. Read John 16 about this, that the Holy Spirit would take from what, from what belongs to Jesus and give it to us in the future. And so we can actually hear in our hearts, and some of you guys are a little, uh, maybe a little practice at this, of noticing these nudges or ideas that come to us that are that sixth sense kind of thing, that intuitive sense that I think God is talking to me. I mean, I could tell you story after story. You may have it. I remember one time, the one that's come to my mind right now, is I was at home getting ready for something with work, thought about Susan Seeley. You guys remember Susan? Dear Susan. And I thought of Susan. And I thought, Lord, bless her. Oh, bless her. She's like a Mother Teresa uh, in my life. And I just, I thought, I'll just text that to her. And then I texted to her, and Susan in her inimitable fashion calls me. What are you doing right now? I was like, hello, good to hear from you too. She said, I literally just prayed that God would make me like Mother Teresa. You could say, oh, it's just happenstance. Guys, I've had too many of those things. God's, Jesus is still speaking. Jesus is still speaking to us. He speaks through the scriptures, primarily at the top. If we find Jesus saying, we think Jesus is saying things to us that contradict scripture, who wins? Please say scripture. (laughs) Please say scripture. Scripture wins. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we right now, it's like seeing God is like seeing through a glass darkly. We don't get it all right. Our culture, our mood, our diet, they all affect how we hear Jesus. So, what would be limits if all we had was experience and not Reason, scripture, and tradition. What's the problems? Well, no scripture is always a great way to start a cult. I'll give you like three easy steps to start a cult. Have a great experience. Never look at the Bible and just run. And it's been done. <laughs> it works. <laughs> we, 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 we've got to be careful with our experiences because we don't fully know what's going on. I mean, just a great example. Is, has anyone been shocked by an electric socket before? It's kind of hard to know what's going on when that's happening, right? It's like, da You're like, what just happened? You know? It, it, that's kind of like our experiences with God. It's like God's a lot stronger than a light socket. And so we might not get it all right. So we need help from Scripture. We also need help from other people to make sense of our experiences. It's helpful, helpful to talk about these. I will say it was, it's really fun. I, I was going to seminary when most of the Toronto renewal stuff was going on. So it was a really fun combo to be in the middle of all these wild experiences where people are like laying on the floor and making sounds. And, and it's like, what is happening? But I'll say this, from tradition, I can look at experience. Things like this have happened many times before. This is not new. Like God showed up and blew up a culture in the First Great Awakening because people, while Jonathan Edwards were preaching, started falling under their seats, under the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he literally just read his sermons. I mean, he wasn't hyping up. There was no, no music in the background of it. People are falling down. Cambridge Revival in Kentucky. People are hitting the ground, making waves. I don't know what happens when you get plugged into a light socket. Things happen. Things happen. It's good to know some history. And reason, every time we experience something, we actually immediately reason about it. It's impossible not to think about it and try to make sense of it. So we're always going to be doing that. So those are the limits if we just had experience and not these other things. So, quick summary. What is it? Experience is the way we engage the world. How do we do it? Through presence and practice. Why? Well, Without experience, I can't know a person. So I can't know Jesus if I don't experience him. Experience helps me to understand his words. God longs for me to experience him. And Jesus is still speaking. If I'm not open to the experiential talking of the Holy Spirit right now, I'm not fully knowing Jesus. So, our limits let's not start a cult. I need others to help me make sense of this. I need history, and I have to think through these things. Reason and experience are not in conflict. When people talk about like faith and science, that is a totally false distinction. It is totally false. All knowledge is based on faith. All knowledge. Any philosopher that we all know this. Faith and faith and science are not at odds. If you want to just get your mind blown, Ken, go hang out with Ken Wheat or, or Dominic Halsbro. We've got two of the most incredible thinkers on this stuff, by the way. Guys who've written books about this very thing. It's science and the joy of following Jesus uh, and experiencing Jesus. What I love about Ken is he's a full-on mystic. You know what I mean by a mystic? Like hyper-experiential dude. Like he might be walking... Another, and he just falls to the ground under the power of Jesus with prophecy and scriptures on his way to do a science lecture. It's an unbelievable guy. I love this guy. So how do we respond to this? Well, presence. how can I be an easy hang for Jesus? I I was using more religious language, like let's open ourselves to Jesus, which kind of doesn't mean a lot. I remember there's these stories. Um, there's a guy named George Otis Jr. who documented places where like revivals were happening in cities. And he, there was a, I, it was like South America or something like that. What, anybody remember what, what, what were those called, those videos? Transformations. Transformations. Transformations, yes. There was actually a city where as the, God was doing stuff, and in, in the church there, people were coming to Christ. Their crops were growing better, for real, documentably. And is that a word? I don't know. So, but someone had asked one of these people, "What? How do? How does that happen?" And she said, "Well, we've just tried to be a place where it's for easy for the Holy Spirit to dwell." Yeah, the things that just don't seem to be easy, guys, are when we're judging, backbiting, unforgiving, just sin in general. And so the, the thing is that there's okay, let's feel really guilty and awful. Let's go, okay, I want the Holy Spirit. Give me a bath. You know what I'm saying? Uh, God, I want you. I've tasted enough of you. Do what you have to so that we can hang out. Cause when you're around, I make sense. When you're around, I, the, the world makes more sense. I can forgive other people. I can love people. When you're around, I'm less anxious about my future. If I'm going to make it, I'm going to have enough money in my bank account to pay my bills. So, Lord, will you do in me whatever that is? Whether it's just practices, one of the practices just slowing down. Sometimes I feel like Jesus is like, Hey, I want to talk to you. You know, as we're running by. We're like, we got it, Jesus. You're running in traffic? You know. Just slowing down to hear Him. I want to be an easy hang for Jesus. I don't want Jesus to... Really have to work hard to get my attention. And dude, I have I I have, I have the ability to hyperfocus. Anybody have that? Like it's a on the backside of ADHD? It's like I can be so focused there are no humans. I mean my family would tell you it's not that much fun for them, but the I want it to be easy for Jesus to get my attention. Whatever it got stacked against me he's so good he's so kind he's so he wants to be with me more than i do and it doesn't always mean sitting quietly in prayer sometimes it's watching the brady rebuild <laughs> i'm not joking i asked the lord lord what do you want me to do now i got another hour or so he said serve your wife i didn't tell you that she's watching brady rebuild we're gonna watch brady rebuild and believe it's happening now And how can we know Jesus in practice? Let's do what he says. Now, hear for me again. Please hear it. I'm, I'm repeating it. Our relate the gospel is never about earning. Ever. We cannot earn our love, God's love for us. We cannot earn forgiveness. We cannot earn having stature with God. But the gospel is not opposed to effort. Cotin Dallas Willard. It's not opposed. It's always opposed to earning, but not opposed to effort. Why? Because we're not robots. God doesn't want us just to be robots. He wants us to learn his ways, to learn to, 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 the, to the things that are of virtue to become second nature. Right? It's like, God, I want to learn how to play a guitar. I bought one. Ready? Why can't I play the guitar? We would think that's funny. That's why we do spiritual practices. We practice learning how to live like Jesus as the Spirit gives us power to live it out. And we go, Jesus, I had no idea that forgiving people was actually better than holding a grudge. I tried it. I read about it, but I've tried it. And I've forgiven and I'm light in my heart. I don't have as many angry thoughts. We do what he says and we start to know him. Oh, he is the smartest person who's ever lived. Okay, so we're gonna do something Jesus asked us to do. Let's all stand together and you can take your little cups. We're gonna take communion. So go ahead and you can prepare yourself. Pull those things apart. The wafer shouldn't taste like plastic, so don't swallow it. So The, the wafer tie, it splits on the top. We don't have to do any Heimlich maneuvers. And we've done research. This is exactly the way Jesus did it. <laughs> Thanks. So I'm going to read these words that Paul got from, we assume the disciples, he's passing on to us. said, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he would given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Before we do that, let's just ask the Lord to examine us for any brokenness in us that he wants to heal through his broken body. Could be your physical body. Could be relationships. Whatever brokenness, he would want to heal through his broken body. Let's just let him speak to us. I just say, don't overthink it. Instead, say, Lord, heal me here. And let's take the bread together. Paul goes on to say, in the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. New covenant, new relationship. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Guys, if there's any guilt, any shame, anything you know you've done wrong, and even you're like, I don't even want to admit it, could you take this moment And ask Jesus for forgiveness and receive his forgiveness. Hear him say, I forgive you and I love you and everything's okay. Let's do that right now. Sing to the Lord amen we won't thank you we can sing to the Lord yeah. yeah let's we'll just take a minute here to say a thank you to Jesus for what he's done for us Sam if you lead us. So I just want to pronounce this over you you are forgiven oh can you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit you are forgiven through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ everything is okay between you and God everything's okay everything's okay you can't fix this let's just receive it from him Accusations be torn down in Jesus name Cut off at the root We are not spoken to by God as an accuser That's the enemy You are forgiven Everything's okay And Jesus has now opened the door I'm just going to say it in a prophetic kind of sense For relationships to be restored Why? Because of the cross of Jesus Christ The forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That bitterness does not have to stay. Judgment and unforgiveness does not have to stay. It is possible through the Lord Jesus Christ to overcome any, however big and however awful it is. One last thing. So we're made right with God, with one another. He sends us into the world. Let's take a moment and pray for the Ukraine. I don't care what our, our politics is irrelevant. It's Jesus' kingdom we want to see come. It's the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he gave us a simple prayer. He said, let your will be done. Your kingdom come, will be done. So let's, for a moment, just pray out in your own words for just a minute for what's going on right there, right now. in the Ukraine Lord pastors who've stayed congregants who've stayed and risked their lives mercy on them mercy Lord mercy Lord Lord for those who are having to make a very difficult decision whether to stay or flee right now have mercy Lord Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. We pray for the glory of Jesus. The glory of Jesus to be present right now in the Ukraine. The glory of Jesus. Jesus in your power. Come, Father. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hear your bride calling out for you. Come. With your kingdom order, your peace, even right now, Lord. Maybe one thing we could do to do Jesus' words, he says, Guys, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Paul says, "Don't be anxious. Instead, pray." So, how about this? Every time we see Ukraine stuff on the news, we get with Jesus. Not even for our own good. It, that's it definitely. Like, I don't. I don't like being anxious, but Jesus come, Jesus come, Jesus come. T- take that as the Holy Spirit. Just give you a chance to do. It. Sound good? Lord, bless you, keep you, make His face shine on you. Be gracious to you and grant you peace. Have a wonderful week. We love you.